Well, week 10 of the Big 12 football season is in the books. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So it was a quiet week in the conference, but there was actually a lot of storylines. Next week, of course, we've got Bedlam, which College Game Day announced last night. They're going to be at the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game. And then uh, we also have, of course, Farmageddon, Iowa State and Kansas State taking place next week. So that's obviously uh, the best weekend in the Big 12. But let's not overlook this past weekend as well and talk about what happened there and where this conference is after the two games yesterday. First off, West Virginia beating TCU 24-6. And by the way, we are on Facebook Live. We're not on Periscope right now. There seems to be an issue with Periscope. So we're on Facebook Live. We'll be up on the podcast as well. And if you're catching this in the podcast, please do leave us a rating, review, subscribe to it. And we've got a free Heartland College Sports koozie coming your way when you leave us a rating and a review and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. So please be sure to go do that. And um, we appreciate you guys a whole lot. So let's start with the West Virginia TCU game. West Virginia wins that game 24-6, and I thought Jared Dagey, that opening drive especially, I thought Jared Dagey looked really good. I thought the offense is really starting to come together in a way that it hasn't all season. The passing game, meshing with the running game, Letty Brown had himself 150-plus yards on the ground. Dagey was efficient as well, and you know what? It's amazing how when wide receivers don't drop balls, they make the quarterback look better, right? And that's exactly what happened yesterday. This wide receiver group that was dropping a ton of passes, I'm starting to feel better about them every single week, especially guys like Winston Wright, uh, TJ Simmons, uh, Bryce Ford-Wheaton. I know Bryce didn't have a big game yesterday, but just these guys are starting to come together and come around and, and, you know, they can still win these last couple of games. They've got a shot. It's a tough couple of games playing OU and Iowa State. But West Virginia, the way that they have progressed with a top-five defense in America and the offense is no longer just Letty Brown, the wide receivers not just dropping passes left and right, I have been very, very impressed by what I've seen out of this team and out of this program. But as I wrote yesterday on the website, what I come out of yesterday's game thinking about with the West Virginia Mountaineers is is what could have been. And there's two plays in particular for West Virginia this season that could have totally changed their fortunes. Two, two in particular. Last week, of course, against Texas, when uh, they did not kick the field goal early in the fourth quarter, and then late in the fourth quarter, they had to come down, they had to go for the touchdown because they were down more than a field goal. Whereas if they had kicked the field goal early in the fourth quarter, they could have then kicked the field goal late in the fourth quarter and won the game and beaten Texas. And then three weeks ago against Texas Tech, when the game was tied in the fourth quarter and Daigie throws a screen pass out, uh, I believe it, who was it? It was Sam James. Of course it was Sam James, right? It was Sam James who dropped it and then Texas Tech's defense took it all the way back for a touchdown. If those two plays don't happen... It's very possible that West Virginia is sitting here right now at 7-1 and one overall, at 6-1 and one in the Big 12, sole possession of first place, and in the top 15, if not top 10 in the country. 
it's very possible right now. Two plays. And I'm not doing this to play the what-if game. I'm not sitting here and saying, oh, you know, they're the only team that's ever been screwed. That's not the point that I'm making at all, and I hope you guys understand that. It's just crazy how this stuff oftentimes can come down to a couple of plays, but I can literally think of these two plays for West Virginia this year when you literally say to yourself, wow, two plays and West Virginia is a top 15 team. That is crazy. Uh, on Facebook Live, comments, Tim, Pete, I was shocked how good West Virginia was. Baylor Tech and KU are ouch bad, but at least they aren't Penn State. That is a good one, Tim. Penn State, what a joke. Top 10 before the season. No top 10 team in the country has ever started off 4-0. Penn State, uh, the first one to do it based on a stat I saw last night. But this Mountaineers team is damn good. I was really pleased by them yesterday in all three facets. TCU is a year away. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not bailing on Max Duggan. He didn't look great yesterday, but who does against West Virginia's defense? I'm not bailing on this team, but they are a year away. And you know, there's certainly things that I watch, and I'm like, geez, the running game's not great. Um, even the defense is kind of like spotty at times. You know, like there's nothing usually with Gary Patterson. You, you know. The defense is going to be lock solid, no questions, no ifs, ands, or buts. And they got behind the line of scrimmage quite a bit yesterday. They had uh, eight tackles for loss. But this team doesn't necessarily do anything great. And they've got a lot of young guys. They're going to be good next year. But still, this is now three straight mediocre seasons for Gary Patterson. That is unheard of. And he recruits too well. Uh, at TCU to have three straight mediocre seasons. He's got the third best recruiting class in the Big 12 each and every year, give or take. Um, and yeah, I, that that is just unacceptable. It is completely unacceptable to have three straight mediocre seasons based on how well Gary Patterson recruits, but still, uh, they, they did not look good yesterday. They didn't. I'm, I'm not bailing on him or anything like that. Gary Patterson's this program. He's the face of TCU football, but yesterday was not pretty at all. Uh, for the Horn Frogs, no question about it. All right, so let's get to the second game, and then we'll dive into some other news and notes for the day. Uh, Baylor blowing a 20-6 to lead and losing to Texas Tech 24-23. Alan Bowman coming in in relief of Charlie Col- uh, Charlie Columbia, Henry Columbia. I'll get to Charlie Brewer here in a second. Henry Columbia. And, you know, he didn't look uh, – I wouldn't say that he looked – as good as he did during the Cliff Kingsbury era, but for Alan Bowman, 14 to 23, 180 yards, one interception. He led the team back to a victory. I would put him back in. I'd let Bowman lead this team going forward. You know, Columbia gave this team a nice spark early on against West Virginia and whatnot, but teams have figured him out. He's not a power five quarterback. He is not a power five quarterback, all right? I'm sorry. Nice player. He's got some legs, but that's not a guy that I'm handing the reins to of a team and a program in the power five level that I want to compete for conference titles with. It's just I'm not going to do it. So he seems like a good guy, but I've seen enough of Henry Columbia. He can't score at the pace that you need him to in the Big 12 to keep up, and that doesn't mean the conference is all about high-level passing attacks. It's not anymore. But you got to be able to put points up, and I don't have Henry any confidence whatsoever that Henry Columbia can do that. Like, yesterday, Henry Columbia would not have led this team back from 14 down. He just wouldn't have. He doesn't have the game and the skill to do it. Alan Bowman does. And maybe there's a part of Baylor that, uh, you know, was preparing, of course, for Columbia, and then Bowman comes in, he catches him off guard, but still, that's a bad game. You blow it 20-6, to six, and, I mean... 
uh, you look at Baylor this year and how inconsistent they've been. Just look at the last three games for this team. It's a tale of two halves in every game. TCU, they're down 30 nothing. They come back, they lose 33-23. Uh, Iowa State, they're winning 24-10. They blow it in the second half. They give up 20, uh, 28 unanswered points in a row, and they lose 38-31. And then same thing with Texas Tech. They're up 20-6. to They lose the game 24-23. I mean, that is absolutely terrible. It's terrible. It's a tale of two halves every single week. By the way, the picks did... The picks did uh, go 2-0. They went 2-0 yesterday because I had West Virginia minus three and Baylor plus a point and a half. So that is uh, that is a, a 2-0 week here. And by the way, speaking of the picks, they're brought to you by mybookie.com. Use the promo code BIG12. That's BIG12 for a 100% sign-up bonus. We're back and rolling on the picks at 2-0. Get on them for the college or the NFL when you use the promo code BIG12 at mybookie.com, they double your money, no questions asked. All right. So they're good partners of ours. We appreciate all they do for us. And it's a way for you guys to show your support for what we're doing and allow us to keep growing and building as well. So you get free money when you deposit at mybookie with the promo code BIG12. Put in 100, get 100, put in 200, get 200. You can't beat it. And you get on our Big 12 picks. I release them each and every Friday afternoon on heartlandcollegesports.com. And then in this uh, Baylor game as well, there was some off-field, off-field drama. So afterwards, after the game, and we wrote about this at heartlandcollegesports.com, after the game, um, Charlie Brewer's sister, Katie, tweeted out that Charlie had been receiving death threats. Yes, uh, she tweeted that out late last night. Let me find the specific tweet. Here it is, Katie Brewer. Uh, I get that some don't understand the entire game of football, so I can't get upset in regards to that, but death threats are never okay. I'm embarrassed to be a Baylor fan, but I'll always be a Charlie Brewer fan. I'm sorry you can't understand. It's not a one-player game. Now, I know that a small percentage of fans can make an entire fan base look like jackasses. I believe the Baylor fan base is a very good fan base. I have good friends who are Baylor fans, so I know this is a small portion of fans. But still, that is totally, totally despicable and unacceptable. Uh, Scott writes on Facebook Live, I feel honored to use my tweet in support of Charlie Brewer's sister. It is just sickening. No problem, Scott. And I made sure to share in the article, which you can read now at heartlandcollegesports.com, I made sure to share a lot of supportive tweets that the Baylor fan base was giving out as well because I don't like to just tell the negative side of the story, especially you know with a fan base like that. But the fact that she tweeted that out, that tells me that it wasn't just one. I mean, the fact that anybody's doing that is such a disgrace. Also on Facebook Live right now, uh, nobody should ever make death threats to anyone at any time. I get the season is tough for Baylor in 2020 itself, but there's no excuse for this. Uh, no, of course there's not. Of course. Completely unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. There's no doubt about it. Uh, should Zeno replace Charlie? Jacob Zeno, who came in last year in the Big 12 championship game, almost led him back to a win. I would be okay with it down the stretch. I would. And I know some people are going to say Charlie Brewer is the ride-and-die guy. He deserves this. His final year, he's been through so much. Then again, it's sports. I mean, this is this is what happens in sports. 
Charlie Brewer deserves all the respect in the world. What he did at Baylor, taking this team from one and eleven to eleven and what three, I guess, when all was said and done, he deserves an enormous amount of respect. But Dave Aranda has every right to put Jacob Zeno into the game the next couple of weeks. He's got every right to do that. I would have no issue if he did that against K-State, Oklahoma, or Oklahoma State. They're going to be underdogs in every one of those games. Probably double-digit dogs in every one of those games as well. Maybe not the K-State game, but certainly in the other two. So I, I don't know if it would make a big difference. I don't. But you can't sit there and say, well, out of respect for Charlie Brewer— I'm not going to see what Jacob Zeno can do. I agree. I don't think it's making a huge difference. I don't think that Charlie Brewer is the problem with this team, and he's the reason they have one win. I don't. But at the same time, if you want to do that and you want to give the young guy a shot in a season when you're going nowhere, uh, Dave Aranda has every right to do it, and I would have no problem with him doing that at all. Uh so good stuff there. And anyone who does share the story about Brewer, please do, um, of course, do that. It's at heartlandcollegesports.com. So as I mentioned earlier, by the way, College Game Day is coming to uh, the Big 12 next week. First time they've been at a Big 12 game since the Baylor-Oklahoma game last year when Baylor was up 28-3. hate to rub salt in that wound, Baylor fans, but you were up 28-3 and you lost the game. That's the last time that uh, college game day was at a Big 12 stadium. So that's pretty exciting. Next weekend is going to be great, by the way. You've got Farmageddon, Iowa State, Kansas State leading in to Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, two games that are basically knockout games for the Big 12 championship. Uh, I saw some people say that Bedlam's a knockout for the college football playoff. Come on, guys. It's not. I, it, there's so much that has to happen for the Big 12 to make a college football playoff right now. Let's just look at it from a conference championship race perspective because that's what really matters here. And for the Big 12 championship race, that game has an enormous amount of importance. The loser of both of those games is out, is done, is not making a Big 12 title. The winner is still in the mix. And that's what makes this, it's going to be a fun final couple of weeks. You know, it's going to be a really fun final couple of weeks. You got Texas, Iowa State, by the way, in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a great game as well. And boy, oh boy, there's just, there's a lot happening these next two weeks in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, on Facebook Live, OU and Oklahoma State are kind of banged up. It's going to be interesting. I, I agree with that. It's going to be very interesting. But I'll add to it and say, OU, um, is going to be the favorite, but if there's a year when Mike Gundy is going to get off the schneid, he's 2-13 and 13 against Oklahoma, boy, it's going to be this year. And OU is getting healthier. Ronnie Perkins back, Ramondre Stevenson back. OU's playing his best football of the season. You're seeing their quarterback situation with Spencer Rattler get better every week. The young guys are getting better every, every single week. So, OU's in a better spot right now. That Oklahoma State defense or that Oklahoma State offensive line is a debacle. It's a complete debacle right now. So that's the big problem right now if you're an Oklahoma State fan going up against an Oklahoma defensive line that has played really, really well. And, you know, I know the Big 12's not in a conference title race right now, or I should say a championship race right now, college football playoff race, barring some help from around the college football world. But think about this. If, if Iowa State doesn't lose to Louisiana, if Oklahoma doesn't lose to, say, Kansas State, um, if Texas doesn't lose to TCU, this year looks a lot different for the Big 12. A whole lot different. We're talking about maybe having, what, four teams in the top 
20 in the country. If you think about it, if you had Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Texas in some order, you could make a strong case for that. I mean, Kansas State fans are going to get mad uh, when I say that, but you know, if you were to actually look at it that way, that's what you could very well have right now in this conference. So it's a very, very interesting time. Uh, Baxter writes, it's a zero year for eligibility. If your record is less than 500, then you are working on your future. Play whoever you think needs the experience for 2021. Yeah, and that's what's going to be so interesting, too. What happens to guys like Charlie Brewer, who could theoretically come back? I don't think he's going to. I don't. I don't think he's going to come back. But they can, right? I mean, they can because it is a zero-year eligibility due to what's going on um, with COVID and the NCAA saying, this is a basically this year's a wash. You can come back next year, even if you're a senior. I don't think a lot of guys will, but it is a possibility. It's going to be very interesting with the NCAA to see how that plays out. So just two games this week, but I uh, wanted to hop on here with you guys and chat as we do each and every week. And do not forget on the podcast, leave us that rating, review, subscribe to it, and then send us a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Uh, and, and please do leave that rating review and we've got free koozies coming your way when you send me a screenshot of it. And don't forget as well. Don't forget about mybookie.com and the promo code big 12, big one, two, where you get a 100% sign up bonus. Charlie Brewer hitting the transfer portal on the Facebook live, uh, chat line. That is an interesting theory. Very interesting theory. So we'll keep tabs on all of it. But right now, I can't wait for next week. Be sure to hit up the podcast. We're going to drop them middle of the week. Can't wait to talk to you guys then. And enjoy the rest of your day and week. We'll talk to you soon here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com.